0: Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. a Hamilton physiotherapist, says the pandemic has hit her business hard. Burlington's mayor is going to run for re-election. Which provincial election promises thus far are resonating with you? The pandemic has made Canadians less empathetic about each other's mental health. And we chat with the vocalist of The Essence of Cohen. The GMH podcast starts now. This
1: is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: We are continuing our future of work series. Today we're focusing on the labor shortage. It is a real thing. How has the pandemic-fueled labor shortage impacted the local job market here in Hamilton? Paul Shaklevich is a policy and government relations advisor with the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Paul, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the show today.
2: Hey, good morning, Rick, and thank you for uh, taking the time to reach out to us here at the chamber. Uh, appreciate CHML's uh, efforts on this series—very timely conversations, of course, in terms of what's happening with our local labor market.
0: So, what is happening, and how has the pandemic fueled this labor shortage that we're seeing?
2: So, of course, there are a, a number of different factors that are at play, and of
0: course, the pandemic
2: hasn't really helped any of them, and a lot of these. Uh, factors such as barriers to immigration of course over the last two years challenges for uh, those immigrants skill recognition when they do land here in Canada supply chain challenges that everyone is well aware of uh, as well as the increased demand on our supply chain that really hasn't been seen and all of this is also paired with of course a lot of conversations around increased compensation for employees and at the same time workforces or sorry um, employers are also faced with the challenges of increasing climate change targets and those are raising costs for everyone as well and so there's there's a number of factors at play and and as i said there's some of these are really outside of the control of what our individual businesses can be doing here locally but there has been some effort that we have made at the chamber in partnership with mohawk college to empower our local businesses here With the Now Hiring Hamilton project, which is live now online, and what it does is it's really designed to help small to medium enterprises here in Hamilton face the challenges of recruitment, workforce development, and retention that they are now being faced with.
0: We're seeing a lot of signs either on on doors at businesses or online. We're hiring. Uh, I've never seen as many as I have uh, really in my entire life. There seems to be a thirst for people to, um, you know, come into the doors and, and, and obtain the job. What are businesses here in Hamilton doing to attract those workers and retain the ones that they already have?
2: For sure. And so increasingly you'll see that, you know, small to medium enterprises versus large ones, there's a real disparity between them in terms of what their human resource staffing and development exercises look like. And this is really critical because it's something that employers can individually do to empower themselves to attract and retain the type of talent they want to see. So some of the things we've been seeing is that Through the Now Hiring Hamilton project in partnership with Mohawk College, we conducted research here with local uh, SMEs. We did focus groups with over three dozen different SMEs and as well as a broader participation in the Employer One survey uh, in partnership with the City of Hamilton and Workforce Planning Hamilton. And what we found is through all that primary data collection we did is that recruitment is absolutely the most challenging thing employers are being faced with right now. And what they're saying is that the mismatches uh, between employee expectations and employer, what they can actually offer is a critical piece. Um, there's, there's mismatches related to the salary and wages in terms of what they can offer, purported qualifications that candidates have working conditions around the jobs that may require physical labor or dangerous work, and the location that the work is being performed matters. Job seekers of today are demanding more of their job and their employer than ever, and the pandemic has really exacerbated this, and partially due to the higher cost of living, as well as just a greater awareness around the importance of mental and physical health in the workplace. But- Paul,
0: Paul, let me jump in because you only got a minute. Is, is there a big opportunity going forward for local businesses?
2: Absolutely, there's a huge opportunity, and, and a lot of it is tapping into diverse populations. A critical thing that came out of the study is that uh, close to, uh, sorry, someone pull up the stat here. 80% of uh, SMEs currently are not uh, using formalized equity, diversity and inclusion practices. And what that is, is it's preventing them from really tapping into uh, a wider set of candidates. And we need to facilitate that inclusive, equitable and diverse hiring. And, you know, 44% of SMEs are doing that. 79% would like to learn more about how to do that. And so the chamber in partnership with our local training institutions are really working on advancing those opportunities and formalizing policies and procedures for SMEs to uh, increase their potential talent pool.
0: Yeah, let's see that uh, continue to heighten down the road. Paul, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us.
2: Of course, and have a great day. Looking forward to the rest of the series.
0: Awesome. Paul Shacklowitz is a policy and government relations advisor with the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Stay tuned. Uh, Part two of today's Future of Work series, looking at how the pandemic has fueled a labor shortage in town. We're going to chat with a local physiotherapist who has seen her business greatly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Continuing our Future of Work series here on GMH, um, we've been focusing on the labor shortage and has impacted businesses really everywhere, in every city, in every sector, including the healthcare sector for sure. Uh, a local physiotherapist has seen her business greatly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And she joins us now. Amber Kusubovich is the owner of Waterdown Physiotherapy. Good morning, Amber. How are you today?
3: Good morning, Rick. I'm fine. How are you? I'm
0: good. How are things at Waterdown Physio these days?
3: Uh, Well, we're keeping pretty busy and uh, it has been challenging because we have been working short-staffed for uh, much of the pandemic.
0: When you look back to the start of 2020, just before the novel coronavirus is declared a global pandemic by the WHO, how would you describe your business then and how has it changed since?
3: Well, at the beginning of 2020, um, you know, things were going well. We had a full staff and, uh, you know, things were, um, pretty normal. And, um, and then of course, uh, the coronavirus hit and we were closed for 10 weeks for that initial lockdown in 2020. And it was a very stressful time with a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know when we'd be able to reopen and what that would look like. Um, During this time, we did start doing uh, virtual appointments. So that was new for us and something that we still offer. And uh, once we reopened in June of 2020, uh, even with restrictions in place, the business ramped up quickly to where it was before the pandemic and now is even busier. So we were very fortunate in that way. I attribute this growth um, to the fact that many people are working from home and have injuries and aches and pains related to working from home, perhaps not in the best ergonomic setup. And also many people have expressed the difficulty in getting in-person appointments with their family doctor, so they're booking directly with our physiotherapist to assess and diagnose their issues.
0: So this and is if, this is presenting a whole new set of challenges for you.
3: That's right, that's right because we're we're very busy. and then um, during this time, we've had some staff decided uh, decide that it would be a good time to retire. So we've had some longtime employees leave due to retirement and we've had others uh, reevaluate their career and decide to return to school. So um, trying to replace those uh, staff members ha- has been challenging for sure.
0: Or, or have you filled the bucket back up or is it still uh, a little bit empty in terms of uh, uh, attracting employees to the workplace?
3: Yeah, we're still a little bit empty. Um, we, uh, we did have the challenge of uh, recruiting and interviewing and onboarding staff during the pandemic. Some of that was done virtually. Um, And right now, we are still um, trying to recruit um, some professionals, uh, physiotherapists, naturopathic doctor, and uh, massage therapist.
0: Amber Kosobovich is the owner of Waterdown Physiotherapy and our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. It's our Future of Work series, and today we're focused on the labor shortage. Uh, Would you say there is a labor shortage in the physio field?
3: Yes, definitely. Um, Also, there there has been a challenge with... um, uh, getting new graduates uh, licensed because the licensing exam um, had some some challenging situations where it had to be canceled several times because of the pandemic. So a lot of new graduates entering the field have not been able to um, become licensed. And that has also led to a shortage in qualified physiotherapists.
0: What's been the feedback from patients through all of this?
3: Well, the patients have been grateful that we're we're there for them and um, that we're we're doing our best to accommodate uh, their appointments. Um, But of course, sometimes we do have to have a waiting list for uh, appointments. Um, We do have to tell them that, you know, sorry, we can't see you three times a week. We can only see you twice a week. Uh, So that kind of thing has uh, impacted them, but overall they've been very understanding.
0: You can find out more information about uh, Waterdown Physio, uh, the website, waterdownphysiotherapy.com. Visit them on Hamilton Street North, uh, suite number two. Um, Really appreciate the time, Amber. Thanks for joining us and explaining how this uh, COVID-19 pandemic has impacted uh, your workplace.
3: Okay. Thank you very much.
0: More details on our Future of Work series coming at you tomorrow. Some of the issues that we're going to look at are lifestyle. How has the pandemic impacted your lifestyle? Have you saved money by not commuting? And the impact on the health care system and the future of that health care system. What are some of the changes that we're going to see going forward?
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: As we know here in Hamilton, there is one official candidate in the race for the mayor's seat. That is Keenan Loomis. The former president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Uh, We know that former mayor and former liberal MP Bob Bertina said uh, in late March that he is going to be seeking that uh, top political job here in the city. Uh, The current mayor, Fred Eisenberger, not yet revealing whether or not he's going to seek re-election. We did get some big news out of Burlington yesterday, and here to join us to share that news is the mayor of Burlington, Marianne Mead Ward. Ms. Ward, uh, thanks for joining us today. How are you?
4: Great to be with you, Rick.
0: You made a big—you made a big <laughs> announcement yesterday. What was your announcement?
4: I officially filed my papers to run for re-election as the mayor of Burlington. Very right. exciting.
0: Yeah, that election <laughs> happens uh, in October, and uh, w- w- why? I guess the big question is why seek re-election.
4: Well, we have done amazing things. I call this council the Giddy Up Let's Go Council, and we have done, you know, made incredible progress on the things that we set out to do, uh, controlling redevelopment and development in the downtown. Uh, for example, moving the Urban Growth Center from downtown to the GO station, something that had never been done before in the province. Uh, we were told it could never be done, and a host of other things, but there is so much work left to do, and I am focused on continuing to manage development but also make sure that community amenities and parks keep up with their gro- our growing population, which they haven't. So uh, we're going to be investing in community centers in more parks uh, to make sure that people have great places to be outside in our in our fine city.
0: There was some speculation that you were contemplating run at the Halton Regional Chair Vacancy. Was that an option for you at all?
4: I do not know how that rumor got started, but no, I never considered that. I I love what I do here serving the residents of Burlington.
0: As you know, the work of a mayor is never done. What is Burlington's biggest challenge ahead?
4: We, so managing development is still, continues to be a challenge. We have 70,000 more residents that we will need to accommodate. Those are numbers, growth numbers assigned by the province through the region. We know where we can accommodate that and that's around our GO stations, aging retail plazas, main corridors, uh, where growth is supposed to go so that we can protect our established uh, neighborhoods. But we also have to address emerging challenges. Climate change, active transportation, affordable housing in our community. And we have, uh, this council has set about on uh, very ambitious plans, and now we need to implement them in our second term.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Marianne Mead Ward, the mayor of the city of Burlington, announcing officially yesterday that she's seeking re election this October. We know that the council table in Burlington drastically changed in the last election. Could Could the same level of upheaval upheaval, uh, happen again?
4: Well, the last election was a change election. People were not happy with the decisions that the previous council were making, uh, primarily around development. They felt that that they were ignored and tuned out and disrespected. Our recent community survey, this is a... Statistically valid, uh, 95% satisfaction with city services. Uh, That's uh, that's the highest it's been in 13 years. People saying there was an increase of 20%. People saying they feel their uh, input is reflected in our decisions. 34% 34% more people feel that they get their information from mayor and council so that uh, they feel, you know, that we're transparent, we're accountable. We tell them what's happening, and, and we, we include their input in our decision-making. So it's a very different election. We did do what we set out to do to manage overdevelopment in the downtown. Uh, we cut high-rises in half. We got made sure there wasn't a 17-story high-rise in the middle of Village Square, protected the heritage there, and we shifted it where it, can go and where transportation and transit can accommodate it and that's around our go station. So what I hear from people is they are very pleased about the work that this council has been doing and and a lot more <clears throat> that we've been working on like I said affordable housing, climate change, we have a um, mobility plan that we're working on so people have various options to get around we finally landed a tree bylaw we finally put in uh, free transit for seniors which saw a 40% increase in transit uh, brought in free transit for low-income folks for kids under 12 I'm I'm interested in exploring transit for high school students Uh, that would be free Uh, something that was put on hold during the pandemic and and we did all of these things while managing an unprecedented global pandemic so what I hear from people is they're very very pleased about uh, the work that this council has done. And uh, so far, as of yesterday, five of my colleagues have registered to run again. Uh,
0: 2018 was the last time we had a municipal election uh, in Ontario. That is, um, it feels like a lifetime ago as we're still mm-hmm. amid uh, the pandemic. We had a federal election last summer, a provincial election is about to begin. The municipal election is later on this year in October. How do you think the pandemic is going to play in the voter turnout and maybe that voter fatigue will play a part? What do you think?
4: I think people are more interested in making their voices heard now than ever. And so, you know, they recognize that the decisions made, particularly at the local level, are the closest to the people. We're directly accountable. I I can walk out my front door and, uh, you know, Democracy in Action is right there with people telling me what they think and and what their vision and hopes for our city is, and and it's very direct. So it's different than the other levels. But I do think that people will be, you know, they're they're interested in recovery from the pandemic, and that's not just economic recovery. It's, it's social. Mental health has taken uh, a drastic um, hit during the pandemic, so we need to, you know, make sure that people are looked after, and so I'm really looking forward to getting out at the doors and talking to people. I think we're all, we all have this pent-up social energy where we just want to see each other and uh, you know, see each other face-to-face and uh, and see smiles on people's faces, uh, not behind a mask. So uh, I look forward to knocking on doors.
0: Well, we uh, look forward to the election campaign uh, officially getting underway. Good luck campaigning, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks so much. I look forward to it. That is Burlington Mayor Marianne Mead-Ward. And Marsden is the only other candidate at this point who's running for the mayor's seat in Burlington.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We know that the Ontario election is, well, unofficially underway. The writ is going to drop at some point this week. Could be today, more likely tomorrow, or even on Thursday. And election day is probably going to be on June the 2nd. Each and every party has come out swinging, saying, hey, we're going to do this if elected. So vote for us. Which of these promises, and there's been a boatload, have resonated with you? Shanice Scott is an account director of public affairs at Hill and Knowlton Strategies and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Shanice. How are you? I'm good, Rick. How are you? I'm not too bad. Of, Of the plethora of election promises that we've heard, has there been one or two
5: that has kind of moved the needle with voters, do you think? I think there's been a few that are quite interesting. Um, You know, we just heard yesterday liberal leader Stephen Del Duca dated Bucca Ride, um, which if everyone can take their jog their memory back to 2018, we had Bucca Beer with the Ford Conservatives. Um, And that was kind of, it didn't really pan out too well. So it's going to be really interesting to see Bucca Ride. It's going to save families, but it also has um, an expiration date. So it'll be interesting to see if people are interested in those savings, are interested in, you know, increasing their transit use, um, but as well as how um, the Liberals will have to, you know, explain the expiration.
0: Yeah, in our uh, Twitter poll question of the day today, uh, it's asking about this buck-a-ride uh, promise by the Liberals and whether that is an important election issue for them or just an important issue or element of their lifestyle. 61% say no, so I'm not sure if it's a, a big factor in this neck of the woods, but uh, who knows, those who do rely on transit will certainly um you know like that promise um from the sitting pcs perspective they uh, outlined their budget last week really a pseudo election campaign platform more money for highways and healthcare that that seemed to get things rolling
5: yeah um there's a lot of money for infrastructure um we can clearly see that there is um, a a picture of what they're trying to do it it, it presents a choice for ontarians whether uh, they see themselves in the Ford conservatives vision or the liberals uh steven del duca's vision or andrew horvath's ndp vision there wasn't a lot of uh you know there were a lot of cuts to education in the pcs plan so if this isn't the kind of vision you are looking for if you're just looking for more highways and more of that concrete infrastructure it really does present a clear choice and the liberals haven't presented their plan yet the ndp have so We'll need to see the fully costed plan to see what matters most to the Liberal Party this time around.
0: Shanice Scott is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shanice is an Account Director of Public Affairs at Hill and Knowlton Strategies. We're talking about the uh, election promises that have been unveiled already. And you mentioned the NDP really focused uh, a lot of their initial, uh, well really their platform is f- focused on uh, health That's the biggest thrust in it. Um, hiring more personal support workers, hiring tens of thousands of nurses, I think 30,000 nurses, scrapping Bill 124, which is uh, related to the healthcare field. They're really focus on the biggest item uh, that's uh, always on people's minds.
5: Yeah, I think healthcare. care. Um, it's a really, it's a really good thing to jump on for the election. Um, we've obviously just been through two years of the pandemic. And so increasing personal support workers is something that people have been asking for. Um, this is something that, you know, we were hoping we would see from the government, which we, you know, haven't seen it in a full extent. But I will say that this platform it it feels that it kind of placates and doesn't necessarily have a concrete policy and vision. There are some, you know, ticket item things that people want, but how is it going to come to play? It's not fully costed. We don't know what, um, if that's going to increase the deficit, which we've seen now that the Ford government has projected a, a massive increase on the deficit and not balancing the budget till 2027. So, you know, great ideas, but are we are we actually going to be able to see these things with an NDP government?
0: we got about a minute to chew on this one. And, and no surprise that the liberals and the NDP have already said that they'll rule out a coalition if Doug Ford wins re-election. And, and they're saying that because, well, they think they have a shot at winning the election.
5: They do. Um, and you know what? I think with what we've seen federally, I think it kind of makes sense why they would not rule that out. But if you look at the polling, it's an it's a uphill battle. If you look at how much you know money the PCs have, it's it's quite an uphill battle to pull out this election. It's going to be very difficult on the ground and a big push from the Liberals and the NDP if they want to take out Doug Ford.
0: Janice, a great uh, breakdown of what has happened so far. And we're not even on the election campaign trail uh, <laughs> uh, yet. So, so we'll have to have you back on the show to talk about some of the big items that do happen once the election uh, is dropped. Thanks for the time today.
5: No trouble. Talk to you
0: later. That is Shanice Scott's Account Director of Public Affairs at Hill and Knowlton Strategies. as the rate expected to drop any day now. I would think that the provincial liberals especially um, said a big what the when the Prime Minister appeared with uh, Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, yesterday in Windsor to announce big bucks for uh, EV production at uh, Stellantis down in Windsor. Listen, a, a fully functioning PC government in Ontario helps out a federal liberal party. Uh, we'll have to discuss this on a future show because it's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
3: A lot of it is just about
4: listening. So if you're speaking with someone who's experiencing a challenge to show empathy, you can just listen be quiet and you know let them explain how they're feeling
0: that is the voice of Margaret Eaton the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association welcome back to good morning hamilton on 900 CHML Rick Samprin with you don't forget you can subscribe to the GMH podcast in your favorite podcast catcher curiouscast.ca apple google stitcher spotify Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Yeah, it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. But uh, there's a new study out that shows that, um, well, fewer people are listening when it comes to mental health. The study was conducted by the uh, CMHA and uh, the University of British Columbia. And this troubling statistic is 13%. 13% of those polled say they feel empathetic. That compares to 23% at the beginning of the pandemic. Where's our empathy going? What, what is happening? Sue Phipps is our guest. She's the CEO of the CMHA at, uh, in Hamilton and joins us on. Good morning, Hamilton. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm well. How are you doing? I'm okay. Can you Good. put a finger on why we're seeing a, a, a lower, um, I guess, level of empathy
6: you know, it's it's difficult to say why, but I can say that definitely it go, it's going along with, you know, people experiencing pandemic fatigue, right? So I think our resources are just sapped and we're tired and it's harder to feel empathy for others. So I think we're experiencing empathy fatigue at the same time.
0: Yeah, when I thought about this, I thought, uh, you know, everyone in the pandemic has struggled with something, whether it's mental health, financial loss, job loss, working from home, you name it, they've probably encountered it and they're probably just feeling that uh, that sense of um, tiredness about the whole thing. Uh, they, they want it to end. And I think uh, everyone's uh, level of empathy has gone down, whether it's regarding mental health or regarding anyone else's uh, financial problems or physical problems or whatever the case is.
6: Well, that's exactly right. You know, people are sort of more um, thinking about themselves at this point in time and how the pandemic's affected them and what their experience has been. And they're not taking the time to really listen to other people's experiences because they just don't have the energy to do that. Right. And we have to remember that that actually makes us more disconnected from people. And that's what we need to get through this. We need to feel connected to other people, right? And that's what empathy can do for us.
0: Is that level of empathy also lower in those who have noticed that their mental health is uh, on the decline or has declined over the past couple of years? Well,
6: yeah, I think it's affecting everyone, right? So definitely those included who already struggle with you know their own mental health concerns.
0: Another key uh, part of this study is that it shows about four in 10 of us, about 40 percent, are worried about losing touch with friends and family over the pandemic. And we certainly saw some wide um, uh, time periods in which we could not visit others. Uh, But that's also the same percentage who worry about actually contracting COVID-19. That's a, a very interesting finding.
6: Yeah, isn't that quite remarkable? I also thought that was very interesting. You know, we thought, um, you know, people's worries would be primarily about, you know, getting COVID or family and friends getting COVID or dying from COVID. But actually, in fact, equally, right, people are feeling really stressed about being separated from friends and family and about challenges within their own personal relationships. So, That's quite interesting for sure.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CHML is Sue Phipps. She is the CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association Hamilton Chapter. And we're talking about a study by the CMHA and UBC that shows 13% of those polled say they feel empathetic. That's 10 percentage points lower than at the start of the pandemic. So I guess the, the real question is, where do we go from here? What do we have to do?
6: Yeah, well, you know, amazingly, empathy is a skill that we can learn. So if we're not so good at it right now, we need to think about how are we going to do that, right? And and the reason that we would want to do that is because it would improve our relationships. We We know that people do better at work when they have more empathetic employers. We know that people do better in school if they have more empathetic teachers. We know that international conflict is better resolved with empathy. So we need to actually learn that skill, and there are ways to do that. So I can tell you a little bit about some of those things. Yeah, I
0: was just going to ask you, so how can we do that? Yeah,
6: so, you know, when you're speaking with someone who's experiencing a challenge, to show empathy, what you can do is you can sit you consider what you know about them and be willing to learn more. So just be curious, right? And and not rush to judgment because I think our inclination when someone's struggling is to really kind of jump in and either make a judgment about why they're experiencing what they're experiencing or, you know, try to fix it, right? Give them a solution right off the bat or or tell them something about, you know, what happened to you that was similar, right? But really what's best is not to rush to judgment, to listen attentively and without offering solutions, right? So resist the urge to interrupt and share your own personal experience and instead focus on understanding how the person feels and why they feel that way and try to put yourself into their shoes, right? And then take time to reflect. So it really is about Staying quiet and listening, just like Margaret Eaton was saying there in that that message that you put out initially. So, you know, it is a skill that we can learn and it is really about, you know, our kind of mantra for this week is before you weigh in, tune in, right? So really listen before you speak.
0: When you see, you know, whether it's a coworker or a family member or a friend and you notice that something is off, is a good opening question, are you okay? Or, Or does that force some people to shut down?
6: Um, you know, I, I don't know. It really depends on the person because people can quickly say yes or no. People can quickly say, no, I'm fine. And just dismiss that question. Right. So, you know, it could be better to say like, I'm noticing this about you that it seems different. And is there, you know, can you tell me about what's going on, you know, and just really hold that space for them to listen and instead of just allowing them to give a yes or no answer.
0: Good tips, Sue. Appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us.
6: Okay, well, if you want to know more about Mental Health Week, definitely follow us on Twitter at, at CMHA Hamilton, or you can follow us through socials with um, hashtag Mental Health Week or hashtag Get Real, okay?
0: Great stuff. Lots
6: going on this week. Thanks so much, Rick.
0: Thanks, Sue. Sue okay. Phipps, the CEO of the CMHA in Hamilton. Again, that study shows that uh, only 13% of those polled say they feel empathetic at the beginning of the pandemic. We have some work to do to, uh, I guess, cheer each other up and uh, make sense of our mental health. It has been a long two-plus years, but we'll get there, and we'll get there together
1: you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml
0: it is almost closing time for the show but not for a show that is coming up on may 13th rock legends live presents the halton food for thought fundraiser featuring the essence of cohen at the burlington center for the performing arts and we have the pleasure to speak with the vocalist with the essence of cohen bob shea bob good morning welcome to the show Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good. Bob, number one, you are a spitting image of Leonard Cohen. Number two, you sing exactly like him. How did this all come together?
7: Well, it's uh, funny uh, that it did start with someone telling me I look a lot like Leonard Cohen. And uh, I've always been a singer and a musician, and it's always been my passion. And uh, I guess about three years ago, I started saying, hmm, can I sing like Leonard Cohen? And it took a lot of work, actually. It's, uh, it's a very unique way of singing. There was a lot of times where you're just shaking your head going, I don't know if I can do this. But then then I figured it out. And, uh, and uh, you know, as Leonard would say, I've been practicing every night. Now I'm ready. <laughs> so, you know, so uh, we're really excited about the show and uh, very blessed to have some of the best musicians in the country joining me. And uh, I think it's going to be a great show. And we're going to raise money for Halt Food for Thought. That's the most important thing.
0: It's a win-win. Music fans, uh, they fill their bucket. Obviously, raising money for a great cause fills another. Uh, And it must be kind of cool to play the part of a Canadian music legend.
7: That is fun, I have have to admit. And uh, I'm really starting to embrace it and looking forward to it. This is our first big showcase, and uh, we're hoping there's going to be many more after this.
0: How does his music speak to you?
7: You know, it's uh, the first i I got the uh, pleasure of seeing him the first time in Hamilton actually, with my wife, who was a huge Leonard Cohen fan. And that's when I really discovered who he was. I always knew who he was, but you start realizing all the intricacies of his of his lyrics and and his music is very intricate. Going through rehearsals, you know, a lot of the guys would go, wow, I didn't realize there was this little change here. There's a lot of things that happen and change in his music. It's very intricate. It's very beautiful. And uh, I've become a huge fan of his since, since first seeing him live. And uh, to be able to actually sing his music and perform it. It's just a a real blessing.
0: Bob Shea is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Bob is the vocalist with Essence for Cohen as Rock Legends Live presents the Halton Food for Thought fundraiser featuring the Essence of Cohen at the Burlington Center for the Performing Arts on May 13th. We've been giving away tickets all week long and will continue to do so this week. You can get your own tickets at BurlingtonPAC.ca. Do you have a favorite Leonard Cohen song to sing?
7: Hmm. There's a there's so many of them, um, but I gotta say Manhattan and Hallelujah are probably two of my tops. And uh, you know some of those earlier stuff too is great, like Bird on a Wire, and we'll be playing all those in closing time. But uh, yeah, there's so many of his songs that are just they're just so iconic and so so beautiful. So. I have to say that, you know, uh, most of them are my favorite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a fantastic show. It happens at the Burlington Center for the Performing Arts on May 13th. Bob, good luck with the show. Really looking forward to seeing it.
7: Well, thank you very much, Rick. I hope you can make it out.
0: Will do. Bob Shea is the vocalist for Essence of Cohen. You can get your tickets BurlingtonPAC.ca or tune in each day here on Good Morning Hamilton as we give away two tickets to that show. Thanks
1: for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.